This is the Frog for Life podcast. I'm your host, Rob Berline. So nationally, in speech-language pathology, only about 50% of undergraduates actually get into a graduate program. You have to have a master's degree uh, to work as an entry-level speech-language pathologist. But at TCU, 95% of the undergraduate students get into a graduate program in speech-language pathology. We are far outpacing the national average. And we think it's because, one, we attract good students to the undergraduate program, but we also give them experiences that are are unique and distinctive. That is the voice of Dr. Chris Watts, who was appointed as Dean of TCU's Harris College of Nursing and Health Sciences in the summer of 2019. Dr. Watts has been on TCU's campus since 2008, previously serving as director for the Davies School of Communication Sciences and Disorders. Dr. Watts will speak about his time at TCU, as well as Endeavor Parkinsonology, which works to improve the lives of those in Fort Worth affected by Parkinson's disease. We're so excited today and thankful to be joined by the new dean of Harris College, Dr. Christopher Watts. He joins us from the speech clinic over on the other side by Kinder Frogs of Campus. And Chris has been here since 2008. So thank you so much for joining us today. Good to be here. Thanks for the invite. So you, as we said, came came in 2008, um, had some professional background, obviously, prior to coming to TCU. So talk about a little about your education and your professional professional background prior to coming to the Miller Clinic in 2008? Yeah, so I got my bachelor's degree and my doctorate in speech-language pathology from the University of South Alabama in Mobile, Alabama. And I am a speech-language pathologist, obviously by discipline, and took my first faculty position at the University of Central Florida in Orlando, Florida. I went from there back to the University of South Alabama as faculty, was there for about four years, and then had an opportunity to go to James Madison University in Harrisonburg, Virginia. And that's where I was prior to coming to TCU. So I came to TCU as chair of the Department of Communication Sciences and Disorders in 2008. And I've led that department for the past 11 years, and and the dean opportunity came open here in the Harris College, and for some reason they ended up choosing me. And can you talk about some of the work you did when you first got on campus the 10, 11 years or so prior to becoming dean at Harris? You did a lot of great work over with the, uh, the communication sciences and things like that. So what are some of the things you're most proud of? Well, I walked into a great situation. Um, when I came here in 2008, uh, the Department of Communication Sciences and Disorders had some amazing people in it. It was doing great things. Uh, so I, I was able to walk into a leadership position with a great team already in place. And what I've been most proud of in being the chair of what's now the Davies School of Communication Sciences and Disorders, some of the innovative things that we've done uh, for students to create unique student experiences. Some of these include the the clinical opportunities uh, for clinical training that we provide for students, some of the international global engagement experiences uh, that we've been able to create, and also interprofessional education experiences that that we create as well for both undergraduate and graduate students. Those are some of the things that I've been most proud of that have been really exciting, at least in the 11 years that I was chair. And uh, you saw the the school really grow um, up to 70% in enrollment in some in different segments. How, what was the, I guess, boom for that or the what was maybe the cause for the such the big growth? Yeah, so the Davies School, you know, started out 
uh, of course, as a department. And, and for many years, it had uh, an enrollment of around, you know, 80 or so undergraduates, you know, 12 or 13 graduate students in each class. So maybe 24, 25 grad students total. Um, and in about 2012, we saw this trend of increasing enrollments. And of course, I like to say it was because we were, you know, such an awesome uh, program, and we are, but it also reflected a national trend. Um, there was a national trend of students going into speech-language pathology programs. Uh, and the reason why is because the job opportunities are there if uh, you're a speech-language pathologist. The salaries are there, really good starting salaries, and, and students are generally smart. They look for degrees that will lead to careers. And that that department has those degrees. So we saw a, a large growth in undergraduate enrollment. And we saw a much greater demand for graduate slots. Uh, and so we intentionally grew over time where, you know, our undergraduate enrollments approached 165, 170 students. And then uh, we have currently 40 graduate students in, in the Davies School of COSD. Uh, it's leveled off and plateaued a little bit. Right now, it's very difficult to get into a graduate program in speech-language pathology. So here at TCU, they only accept 20 students a year, but may get 300 applicants uh, of students who are highly qualified. Uh, And so that graduate program is in great demand. And the undergraduate program is really, really good. So nationally, in speech-language pathology, only about 50% of undergraduates actually get into a graduate program. You have to have a master's degree Uh, to work as an entry-level speech-language pathologist. But at TCU, 95% of the undergraduate students get into a graduate program in speech-language pathology. We are far outpacing the national average. And we think it's because, one, we attract good students to the undergraduate program, but we also give them experiences that are, are unique and distinctive and prepare them well for graduate entry. So our students look very well qualified on their graduate applications. After taking the Davies School to new heights, Dr. Watts felt it was time for a new challenge in his career. Well, I came here in 2008 as chair, and I had not been a chair before, but I I was at a point in my career where I was looking for growth as a professional and, and as a leader. And TCU gave me exactly what I was looking for. Uh, There was an opportunity here. There were challenges, new things that I needed to learn. Uh, It was really exciting. And uh, I I felt that I did a pretty good job and learned so much over 11 years. But I was, again, at a point in my career where I was looking for a new challenge and uh, more opportunities for growth in leadership. And the logical next step for me was, was to look for dean positions. And I was just very fortunate in the right place at the right time that this dean position came open. And so I applied, as did dozens of other people from all over the country. And there was a a selection process that started with a a round one of what they call airport interviews. And so uh, literally I was invited to uh, the Omni Hotel uh, to sit in front of, you know, what I called a, a Senate inquisition panel. It was like a Senate hearing, literally like 21 or 22 people sitting around a large room with me at a, at a seat and a desk. 
uh, in front of them answering questions from from everybody. And so they selected, I don't know how many people to, to come in to do that first round of interviews. And then from that, they selected a top three. And these were the three finalists, and I was one of those finalists. And it was interesting going through that process because I was treated no differently than any of the other two candidates. These were candidates from somewhere else across the country. Uh, and when I say no differently, I really mean that. You know, I live 30 minutes from campus, but they had me stay the night at the Omni Hotel <laughs> during the interview process because the out-of-town candidates were also staying at the Omni and went through the exact same process they did. And uh, I must have done and said something right because they ended up offering me the position. And uh, this really is a dream job for me to, to lead this college as a dean at this time in its history. And, you know, they selected me and offered me the job. And I just feel really privileged to, to be able to be the dean of Harris College. And for people that may not be in education or can be in any kind of walk of life, what is that process like when you're being interviewed by colleagues, people that you know? It's different than going to an outside company, people from across the country that you don't you don't know these people, as you said. But th- this, you knew these people, and they're you know grilling you. Is that is that kind of hard to you know try to take yourself out and say, well, they're not you know this isn't a personal thing. They're just you know this is a job type thing. Yeah, when you apply for positions like this, um, you, you put yourself out there. And you just have to accept it. And it's probably a little more difficult uh, applying for a position like this as an internal candidate. Um, however, if you're, you're proud of your accomplishments, you're very confident in yourself and your ability, uh, you know, it, it's not a problem. And I have been very proud of my work accomplishments here at TCU, very proud of my career. I think that I have uh, given value added to TCU and uh, some of the things that I've done. And I felt very confident that I was the right person for this college at this time. And so I went into it, you know, with a lot of confidence, with nothing to hide, uh, ready to be very open and and uh, willing to answer any questions. And, of course, I know that my accomplishments or some of the things and decisions that I've made over 11 years uh, weren't agreed to by everybody, um, but... Uh, Obviously, I did something right, you know, over that time period because uh, the search committee, who really did grill me, uh, and they got feedback when I interviewed from students, faculty, administrators. Um, I was the one that they they selected. So I think it was difficult in a way because I was internal and everybody on that committee knew me in some way. Um, but at the same time, you know, I was I was very proud of what I had been doing as a chair, as a leader, um, and went into it with confidence. And so as you approach the role of dean, what's your your name for the position, how did you start reflecting on ways you had seen the college change over the last 11 years or so prior to stepping into this role? Well, this co- the change in this college has really been characterized by growth. There are some programs in this college other than COSD that have grown dramatically during my time here. And I think it's been a challenge for every program uh, to figure out how they manage that growth in a, in a productive way so that at the end of the day, we can educate the students in the way that we need to educate them, uh, maintain accreditation, and give students uh, an experience that we've promised them, the TCU experience 
as they go through our programs. And so uh, really, I've spent these past four months of my deanship trying to learn uh, how programs have managed growth, try to learn how uh, or, or what the culture is of the different programs outside of, of COSD. Uh, you know, what are some of their traditions? What do they value? And uh, try, to, try to be knowledgeable about my, my colleagues across the different departments in ways that I might not have been uh, until this point. And for alumni that may not have been back to campus recently, the Bass Building has gone just such a huge transformation. It basically is a simulation hospital now. They have the simulation labs. You know, you can recreate the birthing process and any kind of, I got a, a tour of it, and there's a control room of, of, of patient, of mechanical patients as well as real patients saying, these are my symptoms, things like that. Just talk about what does that look like when you start thinking about the national scope mm-hmm. and just the resources that TCU has put into their simulations. Yeah, the Health Professions Learning Center is is a simulation center um, that really is a national model. I mean, we have facilities that uh, a lot of other programs would envy. And what I really appreciate about it is it's interdisciplinary and can be interprofessional in that those uh, those rooms set up like different hospital rooms, outpatient rooms, uh, healthcare types of facilities uh, are used not only by TCU nursing, but used by other programs in our college as well. They're used by kinesiology. They're used by social work. Communication sciences and disorders have used them. And there's a real spirit of collaboration going on within our college in utilizing the resources that are in the Health Professions Learning Center. That's been really exciting to see, and I'm looking forward to supporting that and growing that over time. And we're seeing a lot of other collaborations going on, too, where students and faculty from other universities, from other institutions, will come onto campus and learn in those facilities as well. Uh, Nurse Anesthesia also has their own simulation facility in the Bass Building, and we see a lot of collaborations going on across campuses as well. So really we have state-of-the-art facilities uh, that can utilize simulation for clinical learning. Uh, and it is, like I said, a national model. We have people who come to see what we're doing here to get ideas for what they may do back at their institutions. And I know one question we've gotten from a lot of alumni over the last year is with the creation and the new partnership with UNT Health Science Center and the new medical school, what advantages will that offer the Harris College and now having a partnership with seeing where students that graduate from TCU, where they're, you know, maybe the, the goal really is? Yeah, we're really excited about this potential collaboration with the medical school. You know, we feel that our college is the the healthcare college on the TCU campus, and I'm separating that from medicine as its own college. But every discipline that our college uh, prepares students to enter into, every, every profession that we prepare students to enter, to enter into, is in some way going to connect with and collaborate and work with medicine. And so we want to make sure that we can create opportunities for interprofessional learning while they're here at university learning their craft. Because when they go out in the real world, they're going to need to interact with physicians. They're going to work with physicians. They're going to uh, work with the same patients and care for the same patients that physicians are caring for. And it's important that each understands the other's role, that they know how to communicate with each other so that the best patient care can be delivered and we see the, the best outcomes for the patient. That's, that's the goal. So we're excited about creating some of these interprofessional education opportunities 
where we bring students and faculty from medicine together with students and faculty from nursing and health sciences to learn with, about, and from each other with the, with the larger vision that patient care will be enhanced and patient outcomes will improve once they get out into their careers. Along with his work as a professor and dean of TCU, Dr. Watts has also found time to lead the project Endeavor Parkinsonology for those with Parkinson's in Fort Worth. Yeah, Endeavor Parkinsonology is a resource that we're creating or have created uh, here in Fort Worth for people who are fighting against Parkinson's disease and their families. So what Endeavor Parkinsonology is, is really a resource for people. And uh, imagine you're diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. This diagnosis comes from a neurologist. Typically, a neurologist will tell you that you have the disease. They'll prescribe a treatment for you, typically in the form of a medicine to take, and then reevaluate you every you know six months uh, to a year. And you're sent out into the world with this diagnosis and this disease uh, with very limited information. And in Fort Worth, there was never a central resource that people could go to for information about the disease, for resources that are in the Fort Worth area that may uh, help them uh, in terms of support groups that are in the area, in terms of uh, healthcare professionals who specialize in Parkinson's disease who they may be able to go see. Also in terms of exercise opportunities that are designed for people with Parkinson's disease. And so what we do is we make this information available to them. And because of some funding that we've received from both the Parkinson's Foundation and then gifts from private individuals, we are able to sponsor different exercise classes for people with Parkinson's disease so that those individuals in our community can participate in those exercise classes at no cost. This is critical because science shows that the one thing that someone with Parkinson's disease can do to actively fight against the disease, to change how that disease moves through their body and progresses, is physical exercise. And not everybody has access to exercise classes, either because they're not designed for people with Parkinson's, they have some physical challenges that other people may not have, or they just can't afford the classes. So through gifts that we've received... We've been able to sponsor five different classes every week for people with Parkinson's. These include classes such as yoga, classes uh, such as a cardio balance class, a boxing class. Another thing that's happening right now is we've established a relationship with punching out Parkinson's. This is a Parkinson's program developed by Polly Ayala at his uh, gym called School of Hard Knocks. Polly Ayala is a world champion boxer who has created boxing classes specifically for people with Parkinson's disease. And, you know, he, th this is a business. He has to pay bills, and so he has to charge a fee. And not everybody can uh, take part in his boxing classes uh, because there is a fee associated with it. So through gifts that we've received, we've been able to sponsor individuals to take part in his, his boxing program for, for Parkinson's disease. We're really excited about that because boxing is one of those physical activities that gets not only muscles moving, but the heart rate up. And these are things that have shown that will be beneficial for people with Parkinson's disease. So we're really excited that we're creating access and uh, people are going to benefit from that. The other part of Endeavor Parkinsonology is that we educate people. So we 
do regular educational seminars for people with Parkinson's disease where we just talk about the different topics associated with Parkinson's, including what current updates and treatments are, what's being done for rehabilitation, and then other issues that people have to deal with. So we do these educational lectures for the community here on the TCU campus. And then in addition, uh, one of my roles as a faculty member at TCU is as a researcher. And I have a research lab, the Laryngeal Function Laboratory, where I work with doctoral students and other TCU students to learn more about how Parkinson's disease impacts swallowing and voice. And so I have a program of research that looks at voice-related changes and swallowing-related changes in people with Parkinson's disease. And the people who are connected with Endeavor Parkinsonology are helping me in this quest to better understand how the disease impacts voice and swallowing. So they participate as volunteers in the research that I have going on. And the ultimate goal of that research is with the information that we gain from understanding the disease will lead us to develop better treatments for improving the lives of people with Parkinson's disease in terms of their voice and their swallowing. And where can people go to learn about these great resources and support groups, exercise classes, education classes? People think of this is, I really need to get into this, or my family member. As, as, as you said, this affects the whole family. People try and learn how to care with that. Where do they go to learn about the, these resources? There's a number of ways that they can learn about it. So there is a website. It's www.parkinsonology.com. Or they can email me, c.watts at tcu.edu. So we've tried to put as much information about the resources on the web as possible. Um, however, I can also send anybody all the information that they would need. And there's some really good resources that are in Fort Worth that we hope we can get people connected to. And so, you know, we're spreading the word about these resources, about the website, about the classes, through the network of people who are connected with us. Uh, we've contacted neurologists in, in Dallas-Fort Worth the support groups that are here. We're really trying to spread the word to get people connected to the resources that are here in Fort Worth that can make a difference for them. And finally, to wrap up, you said you've been here since 2008. What are some of your, your favorite memories around the TCU campus? <laughs> My goodness, there are so many. You know, there is something at TCU that is unexplainable. It's it's an experience that you have, have here that's just different. And I can't define it. I, I can't really explain it. The, the only way I've been able to describe it is with a hashtag that I've called hashtag TCU magic. So just amazing things happen happens here that uh, I only have that one word for it, hashtag TCU magic. Uh, it may be funds that come to students that weren't expected. It may be... Uh, a global opportunity that a student gets to experience that they never thought they'd be able to do. Uh, these things happen here, and uh, I don't know what it is other than some magical thing that happens on this campus, but I appreciate it, and I feel that I'm lucky and privileged to be part of it. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. And again, for those um, affected by Parkinson's, go to parkinsonology.com or email uh, Dr. Watts here at c.watts at tcu.edu. 
And we look forward to hearing more about how Harris is growing here in the new future. And for alumni that haven't seen the growth of the the Bass Building, go check it out. It's a phenomenal uh, testament to what uh, Dr. Watts just said about the magic happening at TCU and how it really elevates not only a program and a college, but the whole university as well. Thank you to KTCU and co-manager Jeff Craig for their editing of this episode. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Frog for Life podcast. If you or a friend or family member would like to get in touch with us to share your story, please contact us on social media on Twitter and Instagram at TCU Alumni. We look forward to sharing our next story of how TCU alumni are changing the world.